Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple Podcast. My name is James Johnson. I'm and my here name. with my co-host. Don't interrupt <laughs> my me. My name is Elizabeth. We're already off to a great start here today. <laughs> we have a special guest with us today, the Director of Children's Ministry at Northside United Methodist Pastor Church. Pastor of Children's Ministry. Pastor, that's nope. right. She knows. The Reverend. The Reverend Good Pastor. <laughs> Sarah <laughs> Mon. Sarah. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? Great. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Did not sound authentic. No, I am. We're no. glad to have you. I am. Today is, uh, we're recording this on the day of our our all staff Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're all very excited about that mm-hmm. coming up here in just a couple hours. Right. Uh, Everyone's got their festive, yes. festive gear on. Sarah came in with lights and a little tiny Christmas hat. James has his jingle bell tie on. I so do. we and are I've ready got to go. Santa socks on. Yeah. Has Santa socks on. That's right. And you were wearing some earrings. All right. We're not going to put that. Okay. In there. <laughs> that's not. That's that, not. Uh, okay. I have a Christmas dress on. I have a Christmas ear- dress earrings. on. James. All right, so today is uh, we're talking about the second week of Advent and uh, focusing on our devotional that we put together, the Kenosis devotional. Sarah, uh, before we get into that, though, how's your Advent been so far? It's been actually really great. Hmm. You, say, you say that like it's a shock. <laughs> well, sometimes we go through the motions. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And we do all the Advent things, but we don't feel the Advent. Yeah. Well, you're feeling it this year. I'm feeling it this year. That's great. What do you think made that different? Well, I think it has been a hard year. Mm. I know for myself, it's been really hard. And um, I think the state of the world brings a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, And I have found peace in in this Advent season. That's awesome. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is exactly what it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. Do you have any special traditions or anything with your family for the season of Advent? Last week we talked about Jeff's Christmas countdown uh, Advent Advent calendar. Advent, not Advent calendar. Do you have anything like that going on in the mom household? Well, I have to admit that I do a poor job of the home Christmas experience <laughs> because I feel like I pour so much of it into yeah work sure yeah. sure sure right yeah. yeah so I had forgotten to purchase an <laughs> advent calendar for my twelve year old and he reminded me Aww. last Monday Tuesday like mom hey where's hey. my advent calendar yeah. so I bought him one that was delivered by an Amazon elf <laughs> by Wednesday at noon. <laughs> well, that sounds like you you uh, you fixed the situation. I did. So mm-hmm. That's and all we, you can do. We've been watching a ton of Christmas movies. Oh, good. There you go. That's yeah. season. Yeah. Do What's you, your favorite? Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What's your favorite? Or your family's favorite Christmas movie? Oh, that's tough. I Is would it Die say, Hard? Because it probably should be Die Hard. No. I, you know, we tried... Die Hard a few years ago, Austin was way too young, <laughs> and it scared him. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know. You should try Die Hard, too. For some people, it's better. <laughs> well, I told you about how we stumbled into, didn't know Rocky was a Thanksgiving movie until- Yeah, I, I didn't know oh. that either, which is weird. That was wild. We were watching it the night before movies. Thanksgiving, 
And in the movie, turns out it was the night before Thanksgiving. Fun. And oh, I was like, cool. what? <laughs> so uh, I think my favorites are the standard Elf, Muppets Christmas Carol, Gremlins, Home yeah, Alone. Gremlins. Gremlins. That's a, uh, we watched National yeah. Lampoon's yes. Christmas Vacation last Classic. week. I mean, so yeah. many good ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mom and I were talking about uh, the movie White Christmas, which we love. And she was we were trying to figure out, she had this moment of like, how many years have I been watching this movie? You know, because it aired on TV when she was a kid. And I think she said it was like 65 or something. And they didn't air it in 67. And then every year after that, it was aired. And she said, I mean, I've watched this every year. Why, so, you know. Why like, not 67? What happened? I don't know. So we, they didn't know. We couldn't figure <laughs> that out. So why, you know, you know five channels there's only a limited amount of things that can air it's new at that point movies come out i don't know but yeah. anyways it's something you know you've been watching this movie you know 60 whatever 60 years something like that something crazy snow, so snow, it's snow. just fun traditions yours the night before christmas is um was it miracle on no, the, no it's a wonderful life it's a wonderful, wonderful life, life. Uh. it's a wonderful life nbc 8 p.m i've watched it for like 28 straight years this yeah. year will be 28 i think in a row it is a Christmas tradition for me. And also, fantastic film. Not really a lot about Christmas in that movie, <laughs> I've noticed over the years. Mm. But a great communist propaganda film. Uh, if you are ever into, want to get tickled by socialism, uh, there's a little bit of, of that going on there. And and you got Mr. Potter, who has a big old mm-hmm. bust of Napoleon in his office. So it's really got everything you want in a Christmas <laughs> film. Okay, great. <laughs> Do you? All right, so here's a question. This mm-hmm. is a question we asked Jeff last week. And this is really important how you answer this question. So think about it for just a second. You have a Christmas tree at home. And is it (laughs) a real one or is it fake Mm. capitalistic? Do you want to know that we're on our second tree already this season? Oh, no. (laughs) Wait, what? What? Okay. So good story here. What happens when you put them up in July? (laughs) (laughs) My husband bought one. I was like. A real one. A real one. Get it at Home Depot. I want it up when the boys come home for Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Okay. So he bought one on Monday of that week. Mm -hmm. Put it in the garage. Oh. Not in water. Oh, this is is a bad, (laughs) this is a bad beginning to a story. It didn't get up until Sunday afternoon. (laughs) A week? (laughs) So I'm going to, he put lights on it. This is a plant. Poorly. And, oh no. And I touched the lights and it dropped half of the tree of needles on the ground. And I thought, we don't even have the ornaments on it yet. This tree has to stay up through Epiphany and it's clearly dead. So my husband was so mad. And I said, At the tree? And I'm like, are you mad at me? Yeah, right. And he said, no, I am so mad at myself. And I said, well, I'm glad glad we've clarified that. And we were so embarrassed that we wrapped it in a sheet. What? Because we didn't want anybody to know what? that we were already throwing out our Christmas tree. Oh, my God. And oh. so we hid it in the backyard. And then what? the other day we saw, because we have construction going on in the backyard, that they had used, they found the tree. What? And they used it. For what? To like prop up a pipe 
So the tree is like this and the ground and the backyard and a mud pit. That is and amazing. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. You should still go out and decorate it. Like yeah. propped up. <laughs> Just put like one that ornament on it. That is fantastic. Well, that is a great story. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Oh my gosh. We're on tree number two. Hey. So is tree number two alive? Ooh. Is it a live tree or is it a fake tree? It's a live tree. Okay. It looks horrible. <laughs> it, why does it look horrible? <laughs> because it costs three times as much oh. as the Home Depot tree oh. and it he just didn't pick out a great one. <laughs> oh no well he's doing the best he can <laughs> at least he didn't like buy a puppy or something for Christmas and put it in a garage, <laughs> yeah, in, the garage <laughs> in a box I'm <laughs> like, so no water. upset <laughs> That's terrible. It was great the way we uh, concealed it though and got it outside. Like, That's great. It was like a body to bag. A body. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Our dead Christmas tree. Oh like, my gosh. We've already, All right. Oh man. We've already killed our tree. You know you can give those things to um, goats. Will eat them. There's a place that will come goats that I use every anything. year, and they come pick up the trees, and the goats eat the trees. Well, I don't know if you know this, but dried Christmas trees burn beautifully they oh do. well there you go they so we do it do. typically in july on you the fire pit until july oh we will we just put them in our yard oh yeah. okay we yeah. have a big yard we have a big yard and okay do big and we burn it and it mm. is spectacular it is. Okay. Like fireworks it Beautiful. is okay 20 foot like flames the, there we go the former it's host great. the former uh, co-host of the show uh who is no longer with us uh, it does the same thing. He has a big old fire pit. Oh, that doesn't yard. surprise yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's gone now. So. <laughs> he's dead to us. He is dead, dead to us. To us. Uh, mm. We'll see him in glory, I suppose. Burning <laughs> <laughs> this but. Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Advent, Kenosis. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the second week of Advent. We kind of go over a multitude of texts this week. Uh, and, and really, uh, texts that you don't generally see during the season of Advent. We talk about uh, one of the healing miracles of Jesus. We talk mm-hmm. about a passage, a passage from Titus. Uh, and then we, we even go so far as to talk about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, uh, which happens on Monday, Thursday. And that's not really something you talk about during Advent at all. But here we are. But here we are. And um, I guess the, my first question, Sarah, for you is did any, anything stick out anything jump out like what do what do you what's on your heart and mind this uh this morning as we're talking about kenosis well so i i know what kenosis means i did go to seminary right <laughs> but i still love um looking up definitions yes so i did look up the definition the other day i guess it's today tuesday it was yeah, sunday mm-hmm. and I wrote down what what just immediately popped up because I thought it was so beautiful. Let's hear it. This whole idea, first of all, let me backtrack. So your devotionals are just phenomenal. And they always take me to a new place. And I said something to you on Sunday about it, that this idea of really sitting with what it meant. I mean, every year it just rocks my world to think about our God coming mm-hmm. as a human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about all of the tradition, all of the religious traditions of the world, if I'm not mistaken, we're the only one with God taking on humanity. Like in this form. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's, like in a, being born and. Yeah. Uh, yes. And yeah. Uh, living which, and dying. 
which makes ours the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty wild. It's pretty cool. I'm, I'm anyway. Yeah. It is, it is I'm a special. fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Well, that's good. You know, You're in the right business. <laughs> I know. Sometimes <laughs> I do say that about myself, too. I'm like, I found the right p- profession. But that this idea of like what's sitting with Zachariah. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, sitting with Mary when they found out what was coming and what was going to happen um, really really blows my mind yeah in a, yeah. in a beautiful way and when i looked up kenosis the other day um i just thought this definition was beautiful christ's withdrawing of luminosity as to cease dazzling <laughs> wow and that led me to thinking about what what do we have to withdraw yeah and that's basically what your questions are about today yeah you know, yeah. what do you empty yourself of? But I was thinking of just ego mm-hmm. to cease dazzling. Yeah. Why would you want to cease dazzling? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? You're right. Yeah. That's just sad. <laughs> right. It feels like sad. if you know you could dazzle. Right. <laughs> now you give that up willingly. Yeah. Yeah. And you walk around dull. <laughs> right. Being well, dull. Well, I don't know if that's if that's exactly. You have to allow for God to dazzle through you, right? That's the whole point, is that, that the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is dazzling through you or right. that you're you're yeah. make, causing other people to dazzle. <laughs> uh, you're bedazzling right. the world, so Throwing glitter on them instead of on yourself. That's, there you go. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, and that's what happens for us. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. we, if we allow it. If we allow it, but we like to dazzle. We like to shine bright like a yeah. diamond, right? <laughs> shine bright, bright like, like a diamond. diamond. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we like to do. And in yeah. fact, that's what the world tells you you need to do, right? Mm, just yes. pop song we just sang. Right. The world mm-hmm. is always like, hey, you need to you need to pump yourself up. You mm-hmm. need to shine bright. Go mm-hmm. out there and, and be you. You, you are know? special. Mm-hmm. You be can dazzle the world. Yourself, uh, mm-hmm. As the genie in Aladdin once said. But it's risky for us. I, I can see, I mean, I personally don't think that I struggled with it as much as what I perceive most people to struggle with this idea. I was, I was more than happy to give it over to God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and to just see, okay, let's see what happens. Right. Right. Yeah. It was a leap I was uh-huh. willing to uh-huh. take, but I would think for most people, um, yeah, can be a hard, absolutely hard sell. I, I would think so. Yeah. So you want me to stop pursuing my own interests. You want me to, yeah. Stop um, shining the light on myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's. Um. I, I feel like I go through cycles. So I, I'm. I'm like. Most of the time, I'm just terrible. I'm just a terrible human being. Right. Where I'm always just <laughs> trying to shine light on myself and and dazzle people and and just be dazzling in in that way. Uh. And, and then I have moments where I come back and I'm like, no, this is not about me, right? Mm-hmm. This is about the person in front of me or this is about somebody else or this is about God. Um, and in those moments, I, you know, those are the moments where I, I could say that I've died to myself to some degree or emptied yes. myself. Um, but even even in those moments, it's hard for me to totally let go of, of myself in those moments, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so... Mm. Even when we feel like we have done the work of letting go, 
and emptying. There's always a little bit left in the bottom of the cup. We're like, nah, I'll just hold on this little sip. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, the the what we see in the act of Jesus is that he doesn't even hold on to that. Right? He, he mm-hmm. totally empties himself to become a human being. And then once he becomes a human being, he continues to empty himself. Like, so he's already given up the dazzling in the, in the luminosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he continues to even not just become a human being, but he becomes a human being born in a manger. And then he becomes, uh, when he becomes a man, he becomes somebody who serves other people. He spends his entire life serving other people, or at least his earthly ministry serving other people. And that's kind of what we were getting at with the John 13 passage this week is that you see Jesus, uh, you know, the last act of freedom that he has, like the last thing that he gets to decide that he's going to do because he's about to be arrested and everything's about is determined for him at that point. The last act of freedom that he has, he decides and chooses to wash his disciples' feet, including the feet of the one who betrays him. Yeah. And that is a powerful demonstration and example of kenosis and emptying yourself. The last free act he does, he serves. Mm-hmm. Gives yeah. up that freedom. So he's continuing. Like This is a pattern of, of Jesus' behavior. Mm-hmm. It's really a pattern of God, who God is, the image of God. It, it's this pattern of service, this pattern of emptying and doing it on behalf of other people, right? So it's not just like denying yourself for the sake of denying yourself, but doing it in such a way that it benefits and makes other people shine. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's incredible. I was thinking about this in the concept of trust the other day. Mm. And I think like this idea, this this message that the world has for us that, you know, you deserve to shine, you deserve to dazzle, all you these deserve things. It. You're entitled to it. Yeah, right? Like I it speaks to us because like, you know, this, this world is a hurting world and it's hard, you know? And I think that that message of like, no, you get to take care of yourself. Like you deserve to dazzle and shine. Like we like that message because you know, it's, we hurt. And our response to that, I think at least for me is like, yeah, I am having a crappy day. Like this is hard to be alive. Like there is some junk going on in my life and I deserve to take care of myself. I deserve to not have to do that thing that I don't want to do because I'm hurting, you know? And I think that that message, like I get to shine a little bit today because, and I would, I deserve to dazzle. I get to pour all the glitter on myself (laughs) because I'm hurting. And that message, I think that resonates with us because of that. But in thinking about this in, in terms of trust, I was thinking like mistrust, you know, we don't, we don't trust people to care for us. You know, we get hurt by the world. And so we, we remove that trust and we turn towards, you know, self-preservation in, in the face of this pain, but that mistrust, mistrust doesn't breed trust. Mistrust breeds mistrust. What actually breeds trust among people is probably misplaced trust like in terms of like I read a story in a, in a book um, the other day about a woman who whose child was murdered and in this like radical act of forgiveness and reconciliation she forgave the person that murdered her child and like I can't even, I can't imagine doing that I don't have kids I can't, I can't imagine doing that um, but like what that does like that example does like Putting that misplaced trust, what we would consider misplaced trust, in this human being who doesn't deserve it, like that's the stuff that changes people. Oh, I see what oh, you're yeah. saying. Okay. Right? Yeah. That's that radical yeah. forgiveness, that radical love that like makes you stop. Like just reading that made me stop and think about what it means to radically love or trust someone that doesn't deserve it, 
to forgive someone that we feel like doesn't deserve it and to choose to choose not preserving our own self, our own goodness, our yeah. own, you know, dazzlement and to instead choose to show that radical love, forgiveness, reconciliation, dazzlement, whatever you want to call it to another person. Yeah. And that just blew my mind. <laughs> I have no idea how to do that, but it just made me think. Mm. Well, that that gets into uh, what the topic of, of today's uh, Tuesday's devotional was, which is reconciliation and the, and the ministry of reconciliation that we've been given uh, in Jesus Christ. And uh, that idea of misplaced trust, I, I, I didn't know exactly where you were headed with that. But I think if, if I heard you right, you're saying that trust that isn't deserved. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. So the sense in which that God has misplaced his trust in us. Right. Right. Yeah. And I want to, oh, yeah. I want to be careful. Like I always want to put a caveat on this. Like there are situations where people are hurt and it's abusive and it's not good and you have right. to walk away. And so I'm not saying anything about, you know, like there right. are certain right, things right, that right. we have to do, right? Like in order to be a healthy, good, God loving person, mm-hmm. you have to make certain decisions. So I'm not condoning staying in a situation that's abusive right. or hurtful or anything like that. So I want to be clear about that. Yeah. Um, and we you know we have our limits. We are humans. Um, but, and I guess for me, I was thinking about it, particularly in the context of having been hurt and then the mistrust that I put, that I put on other people because I have been hurt in other situations. Mm -hmm. And so what does it look like to radically love or radically trust a human being that I don't want to trust or love because someone else in my life has, you know, made me mistrust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I guess I was thinking about it in that, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, that's the kind of stuff that changes people, but it's really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, like I would like to just preserve myself. That's what I'm here to do, to dazzle and to preserve myself because it's, (laughs) this world is hard. (laughs) Yeah. That is one of the things that, um, we see being kind of played out here in this, in this kenosis hymn and, and with with the embodiment of, of God in Jesus Christ and is that we, we are all hardwired, uh, down to our genetic code, uh, and, and every living thing on this planet is to, to preserve ourselves. We have a drive, a natural drive that we have the moment mm-hmm. that we're born, uh, to move toward things that make us feel good or good for us and to move away from things that are hurt us or that, um, that are not good for us. You know, a baby will, will move toward food and move away from a fire. Generally speaking, unless it's, you know, right. uh, a weird situation. But, uh, and, and, you know, you see this happen with every living creature on the planet. It's just innately part of who we are as living beings that we, we move toward things that preserve us. And that circle of self-preservation gets bigger as we get older, particularly as human beings. You know, we start off with just us and then we realize, oh, you know, mom and dad, you know, generally, you know, it's pretty good. They're helping me out. They're, they're making me live. You know, mm-hmm. and then you have brothers and sisters or you have a bigger family and bigger and then you have friends and your social network moves out. And then you have like a circle of, of preservation, you might say. Uh, to think about it. And overlapping circles because everyone else has their own circle, too. Mm-hmm. So you have you live in a community of people who really at the core are just trying to preserve themselves. But they realize that being part of a community is, is part of that process. I, I um, and what we see in in. In God, in Jesus Christ, in this kenosis activity is is a move in, in the opposite direction. That is not about preserving self, but rather mm-hmm. sacrificing self, you yeah. know, and for the preservation of others. The what what is the phrase what that you said? The uh, luminosity, the yes. re, what is cease it? Cease dazzling. To cease dazzling. That was a second. Read your definition again, Sarah. 
um, Christ's withdrawing of luminosity. Withdrawing of luminosity. Yeah. 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 So it, there's a sense, uh, you know, we are we are being asked by God and this model that has been demonstrated for us in Jesus Christ goes against our very nature in the way that we, you know, and I, I think there's a level of this is where sin comes from is, is that you, if you want to talk about sin as being something, the state or condition of sin as being something that's rooted in our nature, I think it comes out of that self-preservation piece. Hmm. I think it's, it, when you go back and you read the story of Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, which is where we started this whole conversation mm-hmm. this week on Sunday. What happens in that in that situation is that God has fully provided a paradise for Adam and Eve, as well as the rest of creation in this garden. And all he asks is for them to trust him, Yeah, basically, is is just trust me. Don't eat from this one tree and, and trust that I'm going to preserve you. So Adam and Eve don't have a natural drive for self-preservation. And I bet none of the animals do either. It's just they they fully rely and trust on God to do that, and they don't need that genetic coding, right, to preserve themselves. But the moment that they reach up and grab for equality with God, and they try to, um, by eating the apple, become like God, or the fig or the pomegranate, whatever it was, uh, they have mis they have misplaced their trust. They have mistrust. They have yeah. not trusted God, and the result of that. Is that from that point on, you know, and this is not, it's not meant to be a historical story or anything like that, but from that point on, you have innately in all living things, this drive for self-preservation that is really, it's built into us, but it's also, it is, it is innately or insidiously, I should say, a mistrusting God to preserve. And that, and what you see in Jesus Christ is is a move in the opposite direction. How do you move from from sin to sanctification? You you stop leaning into the self preservation that you're that you're innately designed to do, or not designed, but have been corrupted to do, and you begin to trust God that God is going to preserve you, and you sacrifice self for the preservation of others, taking care of other people, looking to the interests of other people, valuing other people above yourself. And in doing that, you trust God is going to lift you up in the same way that he lifted up Jesus Christ. Because the second half of that kenosis hymn is really important. It <laughs> it gives you the motivation for the first part. Jesus did all these things. He became human being. He became obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. And then it turns the corner. For that reason, God lifted him up to the highest place. Talking about the resurrection which is a promise that is given to all of us who are willing to embody that same kenosis, that same self-sacrifice. I don't know that. Maybe that got a little bit. <laughs> maybe that got a little bit out in the weeds. Uh, but that's that's what I have to say. All right, <laughs> I know y'all go all over the place. It's, it's um, sorry. It's no, it's, no, it's good. It's like, well, do we have six hours? Yeah, um, yeah we have as much time as we need. So. I don't know where I'm going to go with this. Go for it. All right. Just dive in. Um, I have been in a place where I've been looking for hope. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this started before Advent, but I started um, listening to this book with Jane Goodall and somebody else about hope. It's an author. The ape woman. Yeah. But it's an author that 
has inter- written books with Desmond Tutu and others, and just his whole like bent Gladwell. is hope. Yeah, that's cool. So he meets with her, and then I watched my octopus teacher. Oh, that's a great. I love that I documentary. Know, I know, I know. And then I started watching um, a chimp documentary, not hers. It's a Netflix special. I think it's called Chimp. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And like I could go in a million directions about hope and what I see in the natural world. and But you've got me thinking about self-preservation, like a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Yep this sin to sanctification thing, but here's the other element, privilege. And I wonder how much our privilege plays a part of our ability to empty ourselves of self. Oh, yeah. Mm. Because I believe that I am comfortable. Yeah. I am. That's a, mm -hmm. I have privilege. I can sit in classrooms and hear about the word of God and turn myself towards God. But people who live um, without and are part of a marginalized population um, and operate in a scarcity mindset and their whole day is about self-preservation. Yeah. What does what does kenosis mean to them? <laughs> like, how are they supposed to empty themselves of self if they don't know where they're going to be staying over the weekend? Yeah. yeah, you know. Well, I think that's the the brokenness, right? And I think that's where the community piece comes in. That it's not just about individuals, right? It's that it's it's that what you're that moment that you're having of realization that because I have not emptied myself and I, I have been comfortable and taken and gotten and lived in that mode, there's someone else who has not been able to get even close to that, right? And so I have to help you. I have to help you figure, I have to figure out, I have to help you, I have to be in community with you to help figure out how to get you out of that survival mode. Mm-hmm. I don't know, there's something, that's not. that's not a... Tuesday no. at 9 a.m. fix, right? That's a big picture thing, but I like where you're going with this. And, and, then, yeah. and there's it, a level of... It of, is something that's actually a much larger part of my job than I think people know. Yeah. 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 What do you mean? That in the three years I've been at Northside, I have poured an enormous amount of um, my heart and energy and time into empowering people in the department. Mm. without going into too much detail it's yeah. um it it's a population of people who um because they're in these marginalized groups and have been disenfranchised in so many areas of life their whole life and because of the brokenness of the world you know um that I, I do try to assist, but also empower yeah, and resource them to yeah. the best of my ability and yeah. with other support. 
But yeah. I, and I think that's, I think that what you've modeled there is a very good echo of what we're seeing in Jesus and, and, and the situation you're talking about privilege and, and being comfortable versus somebody who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from or where they're going to be this weekend. As you said, um, nobody has more privilege than God in the sense of, <laughs> I mean, not in the kind of social way that we were talking about it, but like in a sense of being in a place of absolute privilege you could talk about God in that sense, and, and part of what he empties out is that privilege in becoming a human being. Just to be with us. But but that's the thing, right? It, it's always, this is an emptying that's directed at the, at the benefit or good of someone else or something else. Mm-hmm. Jesus becomes Jesus, not because God just has a, a death wish. It's not just because God's like, oh, I'm, I'm too big or I'm mm-hmm. too powerful, let me become a human being. Let me go see what it's like to be a human being. He does it only and solely to be in relationship with us. And he does that before he even asks us to do the same thing, right? So that's a key piece of this. So when we... It's so that we can learn how to model it. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's, I think that's why God did that was so that we would learn Exactly. How to be Jesus to others. But he also, he did it on our behalf, right? Not just to teach us how to do that, but also because it had to happen in order for us to be in relationship with God. And that's part of the modeling itself. So yeah. my point is, I guess, that, you know, what do you say to the person who doesn't have anything? You go up to him and you say, well, you need to empty yourself. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. No. What he wants us to do is be the empty person in front of that person. Who Absolutely. Can then help them in whatever situation they are. And maybe they get to the place where they can think about emptiness and kenosis and maybe they don't. You know, you don't, Jesus, and, and this is something that we wrestle with later on in, in the devotional, but we get to the end of the devotional, and, and as we were putting this together, I was like, a question that we had, and we talked about this at our staff retreat, is what do you say to the person who's already empty? <laughs> How do you even begin to talk about emptiness to somebody who's already empty? Uh, and, and what does that look like? Because there are people in the world who... Um, you know, that, that's the ministry of presence, right? Yes. And that's mm-hmm. what Jesus is doing. That's yeah. what God is doing through Jesus, being present in Jesus Christ uh, and continuing to be present. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're supposed to be embodying. Those of us who are, have been put in a position to be able to do that, have been empowered by God to do that, yes. the Holy Spirit. And uh, the question of, you know, this isn't, kenosis is not a message that you go out and preach. It's something that you go out and do. It can't be preached because it doesn't make any sense. And you certainly don't preach it to a population of people who mm-hmm. already feel empty. <laughs> uh, it's not a word that's spoken to to people no. who, uh, it's just not a word that's spoken. You know, we're talking about it in the devotional because I think that people here at Northside, uh, including myself, you know, we are, we've been put in a position to be able to hear that message and to now to embody that message. But it's not the primary, it's not the tip of the sword when it comes to the, evangelistic outreach of the church as far as the message goes it's Mm -hmm. something that we're supposed to embody Mm -hmm. it's a modeling yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's an activity it is i i think that one thing that that i want to lift up a little bit is also the recognition of our humanity that like i know for myself I can easily go too far in the doing mm. direction yeah. and yeah. the trying and the modeling 
to the point where I am completely depleted. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's what happened to me in the last six months is just feeling empty. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the continual pouring out. And I think that's where it's really important to recognize the divinity of Christ. Mm. Right. And that we we can be like Christ, but we are not Christ. Yeah. Ooh, I don't it, know. I don't know. I well, don't that we know. still have to we still have to care for ourselves and yeah. and Christ did withdraw. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he didn't, but that also as a woman, as a mother, as a mm-hmm. employee like recognizing that I need I need to be pouring into myself too in vital life giving ways. Yeah. Um that that's what hits home for me because then I think that's where that message of you are allowed to dazzle that the world gives us gets tricky. Yes. Because that yes. right. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because that gets tricky, right? Because you're yes. like, well, well, I'm empty. I've been at church all yeah. day long. I've been pouring myself out of people, trying to lift others up, and I am exhausted. Right. So for me, I think what I've I tried to come to terms with or the message that I've been hearing in the last year is the importance of what it means to connect with God before any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's that not self-care in the I need a golden bathtub and a bottle of champagne. Absolutely. It's like, what does it mean to take those things to God? in the quiet, in the solitude before I get exhausted. Yes. And not to say that we won't get exhausted because we're going to, but what does it mean to take my anger and my bitterness and my annoyance with the world and learn to take that to God in a way that God can speak back to me and fill me up and help heal those things so that I can go out and then not be exhausted when I'm sitting across from you and you're struggling, mm-hmm. you know, and I can still be there for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about you, but I, the, the words, um, what do you call it? Self-care. Yeah. They really drive me crazy. I think that's become a toxic thing. Oh almost. my gosh. Yeah. I, I, I have to think about it like, and, and what I got away from earlier this year was this, just these habits, Yeah, just lifestyle habits, right. That mm-hmm. necessary, that that are boundaries in some ways. Yeah. Um, whether it be, oh, right. I'm supposed to get my heart rate up every day. I'm, I actually am much better with cardio mm. <laughs> <laughs> under my belt every day, you know, and it's just a given or sleeping yeah, or eating right. Mm-hmm. Like just making sure that I'm nourishing myself with healthy habits continually all day long. And it's to me that feels like God's love. Yeah. When I love myself as God loves me, I can love others. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then and God is able to work through me in a much better way right, <laughs> right? Yeah. than from yeah. empty gas tank Sarah yeah you know yeah I think that's exactly it that's that alignment aligning God's with God's yeah. will and not ours right right Absolutely. what does God tell me is nourishing versus what I think feels good right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. yeah 
and that's mm-hmm. really the difference nourishment versus the the feeling mm-hmm. i also say that there's a community aspect to that as well and in the sense that the what what paul says here before he says before he quotes this hymn he talks about how everyone in the community is supposed to look out for the interests of others and value others above themselves so what he has in mind here is something that we've we have not done a great job job of in the history of the church but something that we should strive to to build here which can only happen through the presence of the holy spirit in the first place but it's the idea that if i'm looking out for you sarah and you're looking out for elizabeth and elizabeth's looking out for me we're all being looked after mm-hmm. yeah and there's a level of uh there's a level of you know making sure that we're we, we're we're holding each other accountable and 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 nourishing one another and making sure that we're nourishing ourselves that like goes that. exactly back to the trust thing yeah right so be, it's like a level of being, vulnerability and trust thing, right in right? learning how to be in relationship with each other mm-hmm. because you're gonna mess up yeah and you're gonna mess up and yeah. you are gonna hurt me because we are humans right but can we be in a relationship in and with enough mm-hmm. grace and forgiveness that on Tuesday, you can do a thing that annoys me and yeah. makes me feel hurt and not be able to trust you. But then on Tuesday afternoon, we can talk about it and figure right. it out and move back into a place mm-hmm. where I'm not withholding something from you. That's right. You have later. to be held accountable. Because we trust, and right. trust each other. And yeah. figure out how to yeah, trust each other. Accountability is an important part of that. And move yeah. forward, right? And, yeah. And the other thing about community, community is my big thing. Like, I, I just only want that on my epitaph. It's just community. <laughs> just community. Right? You I mean just, actual community, not the TV show. Right, right. But I believe in it. It is, yes. we are not made to live in isolation. No. Um, but the thing about community that I always like to stress is that you have to show up on the bad days too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The idea about it, it only works if you show up unpolished and polished. Yeah. You know, you show up while you, when you're grieving. Mm-hmm. And yes. you show up when everything's going well. Yeah. Right. And and that's what makes it. Yeah. That's what makes it real. You can't just show up when. When it's good. Right. When everybody's or hair when it's, is when it's all bad either. Right. Like you, you have to show up at all times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, absolutely. And, I, and I'll say, I think one of the things that threatens our community uh, as a larger church, probably here at Northside too, and this threatens relationships altogether. Uh, and, and I think one of the things that Paul's trying to get at here, and he does in other places as well, is we're so easily offended oh, by geez. each other. I know. And when we hurt each other, we get offended, but also when we say the wrong thing or mm-hmm. think the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And I'm a firm believer in the idea that Christians, truly disciples of Jesus Christ, if they're actually following Christ, cannot be offended. Offense is not a, a pleasure or a, a, a privilege that we have. Uh, as human beings that's what it means to be dead to self is dead to opinions yeah. and thoughts that we're gonna hold so tightly that they're more important yeah. than the person that we're talking to and you see that with Jesus like Jesus cared more about relationship with the people that he was talking about than he did about whether they thought the right thing or not otherwise he would have ditched Peter a long time ago <laughs> I mean like the idea that we get so offended at other people <laughs> and what they think and say and believe or do uh, that we're willing to break relationship and walk away. I know. That's uh I saw a great video on Instagram the other day of it was a skit. Yeah. And this young woman walks up to a food truck and is offended by 
everything, <laughs> everything going on around her in this moment. And then, it, and then at what at the end, like the, the guy who's cooking, who she's just railed about who should be cooking at a ethnic food truck. Uh-huh. And it wasn't the ethnicity of the person she thought it should be who turned out to be the cook. Right. And then this guy standing next, and it was all scripted, but he's like, oh, she doesn't know what to be offended about. <laughs> like, because she pauses in this moment. And um, I think you're on to something there. <laughs> there is something about being offended by everything. Yeah. And again, that goes back to trust. Yeah. Can I trust yes, that yes. you still love me and yes. that thing that you just said or that thing that you did or the way you poorly worded that thing, can I trust that move through that at the end of the day, you still love me and have my best interest at heart? Like, can we just, can we just get there? All right. So I, I want to, now I really want to lean into the trust thing. I think that's the thing going on in all institutions, including the trust. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, including the church. Yeah. Is that the lack of trust of yeah. this idea that the people who are in positions don't have the best intentions yes yeah and I'll, that's poisonous so we got this school survey recently from city of decatur oh, fun. and god bless them they have <laughs> really the city of decatur parents really act like private school parents yeah, and, oh, yeah. fun. and i'm not opposed to saying on every now and then on facebook it's like hmm, this is public school guys <laughs> um but i even said in the survey like you all should not be asking for my opinion right on all of these things because you are the ones with the specialized education. Right. Like, take thou power (laughs) and do not ask me. But since you've asked me about early release days, sure, I don't like them. But again, it shouldn't matter (laughs) what I think about an early release day. You're the professional. You're the expert. And I trust that you are in a position. And yeah, I feel like we we have really lost trust. Yeah, we have. And people we have in certain positions. Yeah. Well, and that gets back, it's just to bring full circle. I mean, that gets back to what the Adam and Eve story and Garden of Eve story is all about, right? Is a, is a profound lack of trust in the person who's in control. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and the serpent <laughs> is able to slither that little idea into Eve and Adam's head mm-hmm. that, you know, can you really trust this guy? I mean, don't you think right. you should go ahead and just take control of the situation? And, uh, I saw a billboard on the way here. You know those um, pass it on billboards? They always usually have like a celebrity on them or something and then some sort of message. also saw one with Dolly Parton, which made me very happy. Um, But the (laughs) one that I saw on the way here um, on 20 this morning was two little girls, but it just said, um, it said, what if the other person is right? Mm. Yeah. That's what not, if? Why is that? So, why is what that if? so mind blowing for right. people? Though it's right. like, why do people think they have all the answers? Yeah. Yeah. Just what if? Maybe the other person is right. Maybe. Yeah. I read a I long. Mean, maybe not, but maybe. I read years ago in a marriage book about good advice. It was like the words um, "you might be right" are powerful in an argument, or. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like just like yeah. this. This not knowing. Yeah, I had a. <laughs> Why is that so groundbreaking? 
Oh my gosh. Uh, you you might know, be right. So maybe that's <laughs> a good, might be right. That's you a good right. note to end on. Uh, you know, we can't, maybe we have a hard time struggling to die to ourselves, empty ourselves, but maybe next time you're in an argument with somebody, think about what it's like, what it would be like if the other person is right. Right. Just what if? And maybe <laughs> have the vulnerability to confess that to that person. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what? You might be right. That's a good word. I know you're trying to end it, but I will say that sometimes I'll have a conversation with somebody and say, I'm 95% sure <laughs> that blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but 5% you may have. Right. We'll take, we'll take the 5% yeah, right. and build from there, right? right? I Whatever like percentage you're at, try and add well, a little Sarah, bit more. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. This, this was is delightful. a great conversation. Elizabeth, as always, thank you for being here. And guys, we'll see you next week. Peace. Bye.